to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead so that all her desires would be fulfilled. A disciple must first decide that he should worship the Supreme Lord, and then the spiritual master will give the disciple correct directions. One cannot dictate to the spiritual master, just as the patient cannot demand that his physician prescribe a certain type of medicine. Here is the beginning of worship of the Supreme Personality of God as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 7.16, chapter of Vajante Mam, Janakshukritinarjuna Artojigyasa Artarti, Kyanichavarashiva. O best among Bhartas, four times pious men render devotional service unto me. The distress, the desire of wealth, the inquisitive, and he who is searching for absolute knowledge of the absolute. Aditi was Arta, a person in distress. She was very much aggrieved because her sons, demigods, were bereft of everything. Thus she wanted to take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead under the direction of her husband, Kashyapani. There are many types of rajas or vows, uh, such as the fasting yesterday. They are very um, small or very minor or very insignificant in the sense that they're not very difficult to perform. And the rata that is mentioned specifically for this particular age is the Sankatan Yadya. Krishna Bharam Kisha Krishna One should engage in the chanting of the name. There are many other types of sacrifices, many other types of vows. Some people follow the the uh, vow of fasting every uh, every day or every week. Um, some people follow the, the uh, vows of uh, not eating grains regularly. Some people follow the vows of various types of austerities. Um, there's the uh, vows um, of full moon there's vows of celibacy there's uh, many types of vows that we can follow and many types of uh, vows that we do follow but uh, of all those types of, of uh, regulations and vows one of the most important is to follow the Sankirtan Yajna so that is actually described as a Yajna or a, a vow and when we take initiation we subscribe to that particular vow the Chancellor from the Brown State and follow certain regulations and uh, these are very difficult, but also very easy to follow. Because in the age of Kali, we give a special dispensation to the age of Kali. One has to actually um, commit a simple activity. Uh, just thinking about that simple activity in previous yugas was considered to be simple, and one would have to pay reactions to those thoughts. But in Kali, just thoughts are not sufficient. One has to actually uh, engage in simple activity directly, personally, physically, in order to actually count as a simple activity. So in Kali Yuga, we're given special dispensation that uh, we don't have to uh, follow all these vows, like Chaturmas is another vow, many devotees follow, and the prescription for following that vow is also given. In the Chaitanya Chaitanya, if one wants to follow that vow, one follows certain vows and uh, partake of certain foodstuffs during those, those particular months. And Pakistan Saraswati followed that vow very strictly. Um, he was very strict during that time. Sometimes men go beards during that period of shade. And as the story goes, as Sri Prabhupada told us, that he was yeah, exhibiting great austerity. He would uh, mix rice and dal and, and uh, put it on the floor and put his hands behind his back and just lift it up off the floor. So it's not an easy vow to follow. 
chapter nine, and there's many different types of austerities that one can engage in, and many types of vows that one undergoes in practicing Christian consciousness. And in prior ages, people were able to meditate in, in such a yuga for 70,000 years. Also, yogis sometimes would sit around fires all wrapped in blankets during this time of heat, or they would stand in ice water up to their necks during the winter, and in various ways practice to become practice different vows of austerity, and you'll see people sometimes now doing all kinds of very, uh, we would call them tamasic austerities, as austerity in the sun, standing on one leg, keeping one arm raised for the whole lifetime. So these are different types of austerities. There are austerities in the different modes, the most vigorous and the most passionate. But the, the uh, austerity is recommended this age is Krishna Bhantisha, Krishna Samadhan, is the Parsha. Yagya Sankirtana Pranayaka is the Sankirtana. Yagya is a form of yoga, actually. <clears throat> and in, in prior ages, the different temples were prescribed temple worship, meditation, uh, great austerities. But in this age, the age of Kali, we're given a very special facility that we can just chant our Krishna mantra and get the benefit of all the great austerities of the past, very elaborate sacrifices, temple worship, and meditation that was possible to do only in prior ages, a very long time. So the same benefits accrue to one who is practicing Sankirtan Yoga. The Sankirtan Yoga just means chanting the holy name. Uh, it sounds very simple, very simplistic, uh, but it's actually very difficult to get a taste for the holy name because um, actually, in one sense, there's nothing else that we have to do in this age of holy, to chant the holy name of the Lord. And then, by doing that, our senses are purified, our mentality is completely purified, all the madras are eradicated from the heart. And we get ruchi, or what is called taste. It begins with the April process that we read about Shraddha, progresses to Sadhusanga, then progresses to Vajna Kriya, and gradually we become Vajna Kriya, we become free from our offenses, we become steady Nishta, we develop taste ruchi, and then we attain Prima and Bhava. Those are the last two stages. But to develop this ruchi or taste, it's not so easy. There are different types of ruchi described by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. This Madhuri one is the type of ruchi that exists when all the elements of, of um, excellence are in place, or all the elements are in what they call excellence. So, in other words, when one is attached to kirtan, only if it is very sung very beautifully or with beautiful instruments, or if one is attached to a deity, only if the worship is very gorgeous in a very beautiful temple, or if the uh, Sankirtan Yogi is performed in a very choreographed, very beautiful way, one becomes attached to those things. And if, it's, if those elements of excellence are not there, the sense of ruchi, or the taste for Krishna consciousness, taste for this type of yoga, or Sankirtan, is not so great. Um, it's conditional, in other words. But if without those elements being in excellent positions, if one has a, a real taste for Krishna consciousness, a painting it may not be very beautiful, but it's painted with devotion. The song may not be sung by someone who's very excellent singer, but some of great devotion to get depth of feeling. If uh, worship to deity is done very wholeheartedly, and gifts are and worship is performed, gifts are given to the deity from the heart, they may not be millions of dollars are very popular, but they're from the heart. Uh, if they're done with Kariji Purukam, loving ecstasy, then Krishna becomes very happy. He becomes very pleased because he's not looking for the excellence of element. He's not looking for uh, the, the, uh, the quantity. He's looking for the quality, quality of our devotion. And this is what makes 
or pleasing Krishna. So without the excellence element, that type of ruchi is, a, is considered to be a higher level when some condition. There's a story, uh, an actual incident, <coughs> where uh, Bodhi, who was a very good writer, presented a drawing from Prabhupada Bhakti in 1976. And he wanted to know if he should pursue this writing, um, sorry, this painting, painting business, because like, he enjoyed it and he made it. It was a pretty good painting. But Prabhupada also knew that he was very talented in terms of his writing and editing. And he looked at the picture and he said, it's a good, but he said, said, this isn't the art of service. This service is, is writing. This is, this is what you should do. And not long after that, he was on an airplane flying from London to India. And he had a very primitive kind of drawing. It was a finger painting of a child, about five or six. And it was a painting of Krishna playing the flute. And it was a very simple kind of childlike painting. It wasn't the kind of thing you consider very good. It looked like a kid's painting. The Prabhupada stuck that painting on the seat uh, in front of him and meditated on that all the way from London to India, eight-hour flight or so. And he chanted that picture because that picture was done with kind of innocence and devotion that children sometimes have. He was very attached to Krishna and really painted that painting with great devotion. So Prabhupada was more attached to that painting in which the elements of excellence were not present than he was to the one of the devotee who was maybe a better painter, but wasn't doing it with the same level of devotion. Uh, and had the same feeling as he had his, his writing, which was very, very devoted. So this is an example of taste. And taste is something that develops gradually. First, as I say, there has to be some simple faith, there has to be some association, some worship, some desire to rid oneself of the Narthas, some steadiness to show that, that once rid, rid of these Narthas, one does not succumb to those Narthas again, becomes tempted, becomes tempted to go back to whatever material world is very tempting. And then, when one becomes steady, one thing stays with Ruchi, which means that we, we like to chant. It's not that we have to force ourselves. I remember when I was first starting to chant, it was so difficult to get up early in the morning before the sun rose, and it was dark, and I was sleepy. I was trying to stay up on my feet. It was very hard even to stay on my feet, because I just wanted to go to sleep all the time. I was kind of bumping into the walls, trying to chant for 16 rounds. Very, very difficult. No taste. There was no taste. It was just obligatory. And of course, obligatory thusness is, is very essential in that comes actually before our taste that we, we, we have the faith and we have the, the, uh, we hear, we develop the faith, we associate with the faith. And then, and then we want to, um, you know, we have the basic faith shot, that's the beginning. And then we, we want to take the vows. We want to do that. We want to free ourselves of the So we approach and we think, okay, I'm going to do this for us on the chant. Maybe going to be difficult, but I'm going to do it anyway. So that's the beginning. And the Prabhupada is very fond of quoting obedience is the first law of discipline or discipline is the first law of obedience. I think it's obedience is the first law of discipline. He's trying to find the uh, aphorism in, in English somewhere, somebody said it. So obedience, loyalty, faithfulness are very, very important because they're the precursors of love. We talk about love, love of God, love of the spiritual master. But the first requirements to obtain those things are we have to obey. We have to want to do these austerities, but then when we take the vow, we want to obey. Because that is the symbol, that's the symbol of really developing that love. It's the first, first law of love. So we have to see what is wanted, we have to make that commitment and follow that for ideally the rest of our life. So that's very important. And that then, then one develops a taste, because at first it's very difficult, it's just being done by, I've got to do it as a duty, 
and then gradually it develops into taste. It becomes a taste. And so you can close your eyes and chant and be very fulfilled. It's not that you have to, you know, have, have a spiritual atmosphere. And of course it helps. It helps us all. We'll be in the temple and be around the bodies and um, to smell the incense and flowers, to be in the presence of the deities. And for all of us, really that's a great help that it helps us. But in, in, when one comes to the stage of Ruchi, the chanting is so, so wonderful, especially in the higher stages of devotion, one of them the Bhakti, which is Mahi Kari, the devotees, they relish that taste. So Guru Swami has given us a very nice verse that uh, I wish I had thousands of tongues and ears. Because by thousands of tongues, I could better relish the taste of the Hare Krishna. I can really taste the beauty of it. By thousands of ears, I can really appreciate the sound. I actually really understand how beautiful the sound Krishna Mantra is. Because when the holy name appears in my tongue, all my senses become inert and I become struck. So these symptoms of transcendental ecstasy, of happiness, sometimes tears, sometimes pain, sometimes faltering of the voice, um, yes, we can't imitate. Sometimes people do that. But in, in the mind and heart of the pure devotee, that taste of Ruchi is so strong, it's not just a vow, it's not just a rasa. It's a taste. So this is what devotees aspire for. They aspire not to just do it, to, to the rounds to get them done. It's the duty, of course, we have to do it. And that's what keeps us going, keeps us safe. But to actually develop a sense that this is the thing that I aspire for. There's nothing better. There's no higher feeling, no greater taste. Um, I was with Prabhupada alone in 1967. And uh, he was very ill. He had come back. We'd been for a walk on the beach. It was uh, in the summer, it was in August. <clears throat> and uh, that year, I mean, he had had a, a stroke and he was very ill. And um, I sat with him in his conservatory room, kind of a den off the side of this beach house in Paradiso, Stinson Beach in California, where Carlisle was into the recuperator. So we went to this walk, and then he asked me, he said, what is your concept of Krishna? And I was really taken aback with that while I was really testing me. Uh, you know, I'm not intellectual, what, what am I going to say? So I said, well, Krishna's God is a supreme being, and I got to love him and carry out his service. So I said, you know, like, okay, that's all right. Not really great. And then he said, he looked at me very sternly and said, so you have to chant 64 rounds every day. And I was kind of, wow, what's he saying? How can I chant 64 rounds a day? I can't even chant 16 a day. And I was completely like unable to answer because I thought, well, this is it. And I was trying to figure out how I'm going to chant 64 rounds a day. Um, it would be a radical change in my style. It would be like six, seven, eight hours a day, nothing else, just chanting. I'd have to figure out a place to go and how to you know, relinquish all my other activities. So I just was kind of stuck trying to figure it all out. And he was kind of staring at me, and then he said, then you must chant 32 rounds every day. And then the same thing, I was starting to think, gosh, I'm going to double I can't do that. It's like four hours a day. I don't know, but I'll have to somehow, Prabhupada says, do it. This is going to be a new stand I was thinking of. He was going to set this up to the whole society. Everyone would have to chant 32 rounds a day. It was a new thing, because we were, we had taken vows to chant 16 rounds a day. And I thought, well, okay, now it's all going to be ratcheted up, be more nauseous, and we're going to have to chant. So I just stared at him. I didn't know what to say. I was just kind of, you know, thinking how I was going to do it. And then, without sort of, you know, changing his expression, he said, then you must chant 16 rounds a day. And I mean, so, yes, Prabhupada. Because I knew that I could probably handle that, although I didn't have taste for it, but I was doing it. So I thought, okay, I have a chance to do that. Anyway, it was kind of like a test. 
to see, I think, as I look back on you know, Einstein 2020, that he was kind of really testing me to see if I really liked Chen. Because at that time, it was like really a duty. And of course, it still is very much a duty. But the idea was, you know, if you really enjoy chanting, you're not going to object to chanting four times as many rounds. You're going to love to chant. And you're just going to say yes immediately. But I didn't say that. So it's kind of like he was testing the water. You know? I think he kind of knew that nobody was going to ever want to chant more than 16 rounds a day, which is very hard. And then in, in, in uh, some of his lectures later on, I read that he said that um, we have to do service because we're not so pure that we can appreciate chanting. It's not easy to do. And we're not going to, we're not going to spontaneously be attracted. But we have to push on the Krishna consciousness movement. So we have so many activities to do during the day. And that became the kind of rationale, justification. In one sense, we knew that there was nothing really else to do. There's nothing more important than chanting. That, that in the spiritual world, you don't really care about anything else. And, and pureness and, and pure devotion service, there's nothing greater than chanting. There's nothing, there's no other jagged. There's nothing more, more pleasing, nothing more pleasurable, nothing more that's wanted. But in our conditioned state of life, and we're not with Madhikaris, we're at best Madhikaris, we're trying to um, develop some love for God. We're trying to develop some love for chanting, for Christians, and in His name. It's not different from His name. But we have to do all these things, Prabhupada, because the movement requires a lot of energy. It has to be pushed on. So many people have to be convinced about Christian consciousness. They have to be um, uh, allured. Somehow they have to be induced to take prasada, to come to the temple, to... Uh, Whatever you know, they have to meet. They have to meet devotees. They have to. They have to have hospitality, with devotional service. They need to see the books. They need to find out the philosophy. So, in whatever way they're attracted, whether it's intellectually, whether it's emotionally, or musically, or by their tongue, or just by the association of nice devotees, by the, the atmosphere of the temple, by the beauty of the deities, they have to be attracted. So, it requires great energy. We were talking last night about how um, if we just only try to become pure devotees and chant nicely. Follow our vows, chant 16 rounds, and follow the principles. Um, and and uh, worship the deity. We, we, we have faith that the deity is there. We have faith in the Christian conscious movement. Um, we speak about Krishna. We preach. We go out and read the books and we talk to people um, in our homes. We're, we're worshiping the temple. We're trying to think about Krishna. Then, is everything going to be all right? That was the question. That it, it, it's, it's that simple. Krishna consciousness. That we don't have to worry about anything else. Is everything going to be all right? And everything is going to expand, and millions of people are going to become devotees. The whole world is going to be missionized by Hare Krishna, and you know, there's nothing else. So that question was asked by Giridharma Maharaj Prabhupada, and it was his last meeting with him. I confirmed this with him because I wanted to be sure it was really the case. It wasn't just a story. And uh, he said that, yeah, Prabhupada, I confirmed that. Yeah, if you just you're pure, and you follow the principles, and you follow your vows, and you do everything you're supposed to do, and you preach. Then, yeah, everything will be alright. But then Prabhupada added something, as after he said, yes, he said, but you have to use your organization and your intelligence. So that was the last thing he heard Prabhupada say. You do have to follow everything, you can follow the philosophy, you have to follow this enough. But at the same time, you have to use your intelligence, and you have to use your organization. So, the meditation is not so much on what Prabhupada might have said at one time, uh, but he said many things. Uh, and that it was for all time and all place. But what, what would Prabhupada do? What if he were here now? And so it becomes a kind of Deshakalapatra meditation. Of, you know, we're meditating on But what Prabhupada would do if he were here now? What, what would he say should be done? In various circumstances. We have some circumstances. But that's kind of like meditation. 
So the simple vows, they're very important. And as we're reading here, you might have material desires. And you might have some desires that aren't even necessarily pure. But if we engage in devotional service, Kivina, Bhakti Yoga, that is very important. Bhakti is so powerful that even though we might have some material motivations in our Krishna consciousness, which many people have, it's mentioned here. Chapter Vidyavajante, Namjan, Sukhjanajana, Arthur but there are four types of people that come to Krishna. And one of the people is looking for better for material wealth. And that's, you know, we might consider that as contamination, because that's not pure devotional service. And it's written that we shouldn't be yogis, we shouldn't be yogis, we shouldn't be yogis, we should engage in pure devotional service. But even if we're contaminated, even if we have some material desire, some ulterior motive, if we follow the vow, like Aditya is doing here, we follow the vow of Sankirtan, we will become purified. If we want to become purified, that is, if we're just trying to become pure devotees and we're trying to become good devotees, trying to develop a taste, instead of just just getting wealthy or just being alleviated from misery or just becoming philosophers, we really want to be pure devotees. We really want to become. We really want to go before Krishna at the end of our life and say, "This is what I did." Yeah, he done Paramahamsa. Yeah, Krishna says that. But if you do. You spread this Krishna consciousness. That's the most pleasing. There's no more pleasing soul to me than when you spread Krishna consciousness. We can go before Krishna with that. In other words, if we have that kind of idea, then we can be easily completely purified. Or if, like Aditi, she's following very strictly, following the vows that are going to lead her to purity. Or like Yuga, you know, he's the example of one who came to Krishna with material desire, Yuga Maharaj, and wanted kingdom. But when he saw Krishna, he was so, um, so happy that he said, to him, that um, I was looking for broken pieces of glass and I found the greatest chairman in the world in the Haribaki Vilasa, which is the famous destruction of So when we actually come face to face with Krishna, who is the, the reservoir of everything, Aishpar Yesya, some of us, yeah, he's supreme Mahdi. He's a supreme Viryasya. Uh, he's a supreme Yashasha, Shriya, most beautiful, most powerful, um, most um, influential, Jnana Bhairavya Yas Chaiva, he's the most renounced, he's the most knowledgeable. When we come to kind of such a person like that, there's nothing else that we want, that we can, we can really want for ourselves. So that definition of Vishnu Purana, of God, very important. that definition. We actually come to kind of the Supreme Being, then whatever vows, whatever obedience we're following, whatever vows we're following, they, they begin to melt into insignificance. Because we're, we realize that there's nothing greater than the person Krishna, there's nothing greater than the name of Krishna. Kali Kali, Namarupa Krishna, Avatar. Krishna is in his name. So that taste is there. The taste is there because Krishna is all opulent, all beautiful, all influential, all attractive, all announced, all knowledgeable. And when we chant the name of Krishna, we gradually, those of us who are, are here are, are sincere, trying to develop a taste, trying to become pure devotees, will develop that sense of which, and then all our anarthas, our anarthas, our anarthas, they will. Disappear, they will, they will dissipate and become non-existent. And we will gradually not only become pure devotees, but we will make so many other pure devotees in our, our preaching programs because we will be uh, trying to please God and not ourselves and, and not compromise philosophy. So I'm sorry, I'm a little late and I used to give advice this early. I'll be returning on Thursday or Friday. Questions and answers. Thank you very much.